All right. You how, might... how are we starting this? Or are we starting now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Square Table. Welcome to Square Table. I hope the claps didn't kill you guys. It's gone now. It's oh, gone. I know. It's, you're, it wasn't very loud on the game, but it's fine. Really? I mean, like... That's not very loud. Either way, you're going to adjust it in the end. So. I am going to. Anyways, are you, are you awake? Yeah, I'm awake. You're awake? Okay. Yeah. This one's number nine. This one is number nine. Not before. Number nine or ten. No, this is nine. 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 Right? I am absolutely eight. sure it was nine. It's nine. Welcome to Square Table number nine. We are your hosts. You want to introduce yourself? Oh, yourself? I thought you were going to go first. Oh, I'm Zach. And I'm Glasgow. And that's pretty much it for that. That's pretty much. I mean, I was trying to give you like the lead because usually I go first. But, you know, you gotta I mean, switch it up. It's your channel. True, but you gotta switch it up. All right. Okay. You gotta switch it up. While Speaking of at. switching it up, maybe you shouldn't do that with your Tomb Raider script. Uh, By the way, the movie's garbage. If that wasn't obvious, he's, but, you're coming out strong for yeah, this one. Okay, no. let's talk about all it. the gaming shit. All the other gaming shit. Let's, can wait a second while we talk about this fucking movie. The point of this episode was to talk about the movie. I know. There is no gaming shit. There, to wait there will for. be no side news. This is just the movie. This is just the movie. Because okay, so what's funny is that March, April, for some reason, this period of time, all the video game movies are coming out. So Tomb Raider came out first, like March 15th or whatever. And then you have Ready Player One, which I know is not a video game movie, but it is based off of a lot of video games. It's just reference. It's a lot of, it's it's a lot of 80s video games. No, the the movie has more than just no, 80s no, video I know. Games. I mean, the, the original book did. Yeah, I know. Which you haven't read yet. I'm which reading. you have to finish. I don't want Which to. you have to finish. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, so the the movie is referencing a ton of video games. Not just 80s games, but like a ton. And then um, you have Rampage, which is based off of the old video game Rampage. But then there was no story with that old video game. So it's just Dwayne Johnson doing Dwayne Johnson and then... Giant monster fights. Yeah. Which is not that's that fine. bad. That's fine. If anything, that's what you kind of... Ex- you, that's kind of what you wanted from Pacific Rim. And you got with the first one. And I'm assuming you're going to get that with the second one. I heard it wasn't that good. I also heard it wasn't that great. I don't know if they mean the fights aren't that great or if the writing's not that great. Because I feel like the writing is fairly inconsequential in that entire in that entire series of movies. You're just looking for giant things to hit each other. Jaegers versus is, Kaiju. That's what you're looking for. Which is what you would expect from rampage and that looks like what we're gonna get giant things hitting each you're other you're just gonna get kaiju versus kaiju in rampage and that's well fine. They, they're not kaiju though they're just giant they're kaiju because they're giant monsters they're, they're ergo giant... it's kaiju they're giant gorillas and wolves i mean like it's would giant... you call king kong kaiju yeah i would actually really you would call king kong kaiju i would call clifford a kaiju Clifford the motherfucking red dog. Yeah, that's a kaiju. He would fuck your shit up. He's a kaiju. Alright, alright. I guess he's a kaiju. And if anything, King Kong's bigger than Clifford, so... Clifford is... How? It's like... Okay, so the, the, the premise of Clifford is that she brought this puppy home, and then he grew up, and... She didn't realize how big he would get. It's like buying a micro piglet, and then like after a few months you realize this isn't a micro piglet at all. It's that sort of thing. 
I guess. Except the ramifications are much more serious because... That dog would kill her every time it wanted to go for a hug. Ex- imagine how much money... Like, do you think, like, they get, like, food stamps just for the dog? He he eats a lot. He's he has gotta to. eat he a lot. He has to. There's no way. I, I mean... Does he crush people when he tries to play fetch? Like, unintentionally? Just running around? What if he does it intentionally? Oh, that's even more malicious. Like a, like a kaiju would do. A true kaiju. Yeah. A true kaiju. So if I, if Clifford would be considered kaiju-esque, then King Kong is definitely a kaiju. And King Kong's a kaiju, then everything in Rampage is a kaiju. All right, all right, fine. Everything in Rampage especially is the a dog, kaiju. Especially the wolf that can fly now. Oh, yeah, I forgot the wolf can yeah, fly. Yeah, that's, that's some kaiju shit. That's true. All right, so everybody's And literally Godzilla. Literally. Not as big, but it's Godzilla-esque. Godzilla-esque on all fours. It's King Kong, kind of Godzilla, and a uh, dog with wings. A dog with wings. Or webbing, rather. Like bat wings. No, it's gliding. like, it's like, like squ- gliding. Yeah. Like the squirrel. F- flying squirrel Or thing. something like that. Anyways, we I, I think Rampage is probably... The fact that it's such a loose adaptation is probably going to make it the better movie out of all three of them. Only because... It just doesn't take itself seriously. Oh, you see, because that's where that's where um, Battleship went wrong. Battleship took itself. Seriously. <laughs> it took itself seriously. Oh my god, I forgot they made a an adaptation of Battleship. Yeah, I can't remember anyone in it. I don't even think you're supposed to. I don't think anybody famous was in it. Wait, no, hold no. on, hold on. No, a singer was in it. A singer. Oh, okay. The, the um, I would know a singer. The one that was Chris Brown's girlfriend. Chris Brown. Rihanna? Yeah. She, was, she in was in it? She was in it, yes. Really? Yeah. Are you sure she wasn't just singing theme songs? No, she's in it. No, she's actually, Rihanna She's can't. actually a character. Hold she's on. a character? Yeah, I'm going to look it up. When did Rihanna get an acting role? I don't remember that at all. I don't know, go, but you can go ahead and keep talking about what we're going to talk about. Well, anyway, so we went to go see Tomb Raider several days ago as of recording this podcast. So it would be about April 6th or so it was a friday and we initially were going to go see ready player one but honestly there are no good showings of ready player one in our area in like the morning or around lunchtime that wasn't in 3d it was actually kind of frustrating and i'll probably talk about that in our next podcast you would think 3d would be dead by now no 3d is not dying i can't believe it rihanna is in this movie rihanna wow okay she's some petty officer yeah um so we decided to go see Tomb Raider since that actually had a morning showing and we could catch it. So went in, bought our tickets, walked in. <laughs> Pretty much the whole theater was empty except for maybe four seats. There were three people in like the top row. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot. And we were actually late too. We didn't miss anything important. You're going up to get something. I had to go get my drink. Okay. And suddenly he knocks over everything. Yeah, I should have, I should have actually bought alcohol before this. You can have Rich Evans it. I, I should I should have yeah I would have Rich Evans. I would <laughs> try to explain this movie. Make not it's not as bad as that Neil Breen movie they did it with, but it's still pretty bad. <laughs> um, uh, Double Down, Double Down's pretty good. Uh, double all of Neil Breen's movies don't make sense. Um, so. Walked in, we were actually late, and we were like five minutes late, but honestly, the beginning of this movie did not matter, because it's It's inconsequential. It's really inconsequential to the rest of the movie, and I think it actually drags the pacing of the movie, because, so, 
in the beginning of this movie, spoilers, by the way, uh, we're not holding back on spoilers. Um, in the beginning of the movie, Laura is, you're shown that she's some kind of rebellious young she's adult, ta- she's taking 20 like a, year old. a courier job. She's taking a, she's a courier? Yeah. She doesn't really show she's a courier, though. She just rides a bike, but she says she's a courier. Like, everybody thinks she's a courier. But anyway, she's a courier, I guess, in England, in London. And she has friends who I guess are also couriers. And there's like an assortment of friends. They're all dudes. And you don't know any of their names. You don't. It doesn't I, matter. Yeah, I don't think I know any of their names. And then they like decide to do this like illegal quote unquote fox hunt race. It's a bike race bikes. with someone with a fox tail on their thing. And then yeah, like, you stab a paint bucket, put it on the back of the bike. And then they kind of like ride away and everyone's trying to grab the fox tail. And it's like, is this really. Like the this is the origins of Tomb Raider. This is Lara Croft. It just didn't make sense. Bike races. So like the the bike race, like the mechanics of the game made sense. I don't know about why it was so illegal because apparently the cops were like, "Why are there so many bikes?" Well, you you hit a cop car and you you no no no. But they said it was an illegal race. That's why. But they were doing it for money. Like I guess they they pulled all the money together and whoever got the fox tail. We get the money, but if the fox got away, then they would get the money. And like, so she only decided to be a fox for the money. And I remember in the scene, she suddenly start. She said something about. So she said some line from Hamlet. It was Hamlet, right? It's not Macbeth. It's it Hamlet. was Hamlet. Okay, it's Hamlet. I know Shakespeare tends to write similar stories. Well, we, but it's we have to. We have to show. That she's intellectual and she she's smart and she knows things. She's just named Josh. She doesn't go. She doesn't go to college though. Because she she's too she's got too many daddy issues for college. But uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, but she she's smart though. That's the point. Without college, she's supposedly yeah, so smart. She, she just drops the Hamlet quote, and this dude was like Hamlet, right? And she's like, oh no, it's not Hamlet. Like she's trying to downplay it, and he's like, no, it's Hamlet. It's Hamlet. Where'd you learn that? And she's just trying to downplay it. It's like your okay. fucking mother. <laughs> Smells of elderberries. Um, it was such a weird scene and then you get to the action scene which is her getting on the bike and riding around and it's like okay it's kind of creative what she does because they stab a paint bucket and put it on the bike so that they can track her wherever she goes she gets on a truck and like puts her bike on the the truck and puts the bike on the truck and destroys the paint trail which is actually kind of cool i feel like that's sort of cheating though it's I mean, cool, there's but no it's, rules. it's illegal. It, it feels like cheating. It feels like cheating, but it's illegal. At the very least, it's against the, the spirit of the game. I guess, yeah. But either way, this whole scene dragged and it only served to show that she's a rebellious girl. And then it leads to her getting caught in jail and then like her dad's partner or friend or something like that coming to her and going, we need you to sign these papers saying that your dad is dead because he's been gone for seven years ever since he went to Tokyo and he's dead. Sign the papers so you can inherit the the manor because if not, we have to give it away or something like that. I don't know. That was the whole premise in the police station. And I was telling Zach this at the end of of the movie after we finished watching it. They should have just started in the police station and cut the entire bike race out. Just started with her in jail. Well, I guess... In sitting with paint all over her. Because mm-hmm. she crashes into a police car and like paint goes all over. Mm-hmm. Paint all over her. 
and you just get a little bit of exposition. I'll give her like a black eye or something along with it. Like, what the fuck is this story? Yeah, it and was, it's like you don't know. You don't get to learn. Like, I know a lot of people are like, and me included, exposition's bad, and you should show, not tell. But you should exp. You needed it for this one because that bike the bike scene made no sense. It didn't even link anywhere else. You never see the people she talks to again. They were only in it for five minutes. They're not friends. They're not important. I don't even know who the fuck they were. Like, you don't even know their names. Yeah. Yeah. So they just dropped it, and it was just... Yeah, they should have just dropped the scene. And started it from her in jail. And so she has to go and sign the papers, and she goes to sign the paper of her dad being dead. Death in absentia. So basically dead because he's been missing for so long, legally declared dead. And his da- her dad gives her something in her in his will that if he dies, solve this puzzle. And she solves it real fast because it's Lara Croft. And she goes and discovers that her dad was secretly doing something, some secret organization kind of thing. And it uh, relates to the first game. So a lot of plot elements from the first game are present, but then there are also several plot elements from the sequel present. I haven't played the sequel, but I did play the first game. A while ago, and you played it recently. Yeah, I have the Rise of Tomb Raider in there, and we'll probably look at it after we're done recording today. But, um... I, I only, Actually, I don't think I have time for that. Oh, you don't have time for it? But uh, I do have Rise of the Tomb Raider already okay. on my PC. Um, pretty much... Yeah, we only had the context of the first game, but it's still not... Here's the first thing that pisses me off. Just as backstory for Tomb Raider as a whole. In the movie, her dad is a secret excuse me, secret archaeologist. In the games, he was always an archaeologist. That was his big thing. He was a world-renowned scientist and archaeologist, and everyone knew that. And Lara's like, "I'm going to be an archaeologist as well," because she looked up to her dad. Yeah. And then Not her, like this movie. Yeah, and then she knows her dad. In the beginning of the, at least in the reboot, she knows her dad's dead. She's aware of it. And she, while while it's not exactly like, oh, it's whatever, it's that like she's made peace with it, and she is trying to follow in his footsteps. This is, in this movie, it's, she finds out he was a secret archaeologist, and now he's she's going to go find her dad. Yeah. They, like, switched it up, and I don't really understand why, because the biggest problem with this movie is how they write her dad. And I know in the sequel, her dad does come up, like his death is apparently not an accident or whatever. Um, it was ordered by quote unquote Trinity and she, but she doesn't know like a hundred percent for certain if, uh, Trinity assassinated him or like they caused an accident or whatever, something like that. Either way though, um, they shouldn't have written her dad into this movie because then it introduces all the cliches that comes with strong female lead movies. Usually when you see movies like this, it's always daddy issues. It's always like, oh no, the strong paternal figure in my life is gone, so I'm going to grow up rebellious. And they always do it poorly and very cliched. And it was the same thing here. It was very paint by the numbers in terms of the cliches. Her dad dies or is absent or uh, for seven years, and so she grows up rebellious. Because, oh, my dad, I loved him so much. And then 
she he is alive she does find him later on the island that they go to and but then he dies again so it was like no point there's no point in introducing that because it it makes her character arc like so stupid it's not like she got any closure from it there's no closure like they try to make it closure but it's not closure they spend like the the next five minutes is like oh father how i've missed you i can't believe you're alive and then like 10 minutes after that it's like fuck you dad yeah it was like going back and forth but like that's that's the whole thing it's like there's no closure for this also i think the actor the actress who did who did who played lara croft did a good job alicia vick vikander yeah but like she like half this movie is either crying out crying tears or on the verge of crying tears that's why like half she only cried tears once she was gonna cry no she's on the the that would have been fine i because in the first game she doesn't cry after that she's shaken but she doesn't cry i mean but i mean maybe she was like it could have been the adrenaline wearing down okay we'll talk about that scene though um when we get to it because i'm just gonna go through the movie just just going through the beats okay but basically the dad should have been cut out she, he should be super dead. The he entire should be movie. super dead. There's no point in having him there. Writing this cliche like father figure is missing is just stupid and happens in so many of these movies. The only time I've seen it done really well was in part six of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, only because Jotaro's a shitty dad and he knows it, and that causes her to go like off the wayside. It's like because Jotaro's if a Jotaro's dad. your dad. You should have daddy issues. You should have daddy issues because if he's, like he's not a good father. If Doctor Quest was your dad from the Johnny Quest show, you should have daddy issues, like in uh, Venture Brothers. Yeah, Venture Brothers is an entire series of daddy issues. It is basically that the sins of the father irreparably damage the sons. In in every case, every generation is the dad fucking over his kid. Yeah, and oh, so that makes sense. Okay. Here's the thing, though. In Tomb Raider, it's like everybody's dad went to this one island and then they all die. So it's like the whole thing that grips everybody together is the fact their dad went one area. Yeah. Went to one area. My dad went to Yamatai. It's like, your dad went to Yamatai? My dad went to Yamatai. Let's go find out what happened. Your mom's name Martha? My mom's name Martha. Oh my god, it was exactly like like <laughs> it's, fucking it's Batman so... versus Superman. You're right. Oh, it's so it was exactly dumb. like that. It was like, holy shit, your dad went to this island. Come with me. I need your boat. And then he was like, first he said no. So Luren's dad went with Lara's dad to the island, and first Luren's son said no. Okay, so. Blue Ren said no. First he's like, fuck off. And then he was like, okay, fine. Because he, he looks like a picture of him as a kid and his dad there. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll, you'll need a good captain or something like that to work To find my dad. To find my dad. So there was that. And then um, <laughs> she goes to the pawn shop. So the best scene in this whole movie is when she's at the pawn shop. Because... Uh, <laughs> it's Nick Frost. It's Nick Frost. Ni- no, Frost. Oh, Frost. Uh, my bad. Um, it's a movie without Simon Pegg, and it's like, huh. Simon Pegg is in I Ready thought Player they were one, attached though. at the hip. 
That's true. You'd think Edward Wright would be there too. Yeah, you would think. Instead of Roar Utag, who directed this movie. Yeah. But then it would be a completely different movie. That would be a better movie, honestly. If Simon Pegg were her dad, <laughs> and then Nick Frost is the bond, if Nick Frost went with Lara to find Simon Pegg, it would be it a would massively be a improved movie. Probably because it would be funnier. Um, and they tried to do humor in this one, but it always falls flat. So then they tried to do, and then they tried to do action adventure mixed with humor and then mixed with drama. And they were just doing way too many things at once. So the biggest thing is the fact that it pulls from, from the, the reboot game and from the sequel. And I think they should have just done the reboot game because the story was already written there. And I think it would have been a fine story because one, you don't, you're not having the whole cliche, my dad's missing. I gotta go find him, et cetera, et cetera. Daddy issues. My dad is dead. That kind of thing. Instead, you're rescuing Sam, who's your best friend. Here's the other thing about that, too. Because you, you are, like, it's just, why were you merging things from, like, the comics, the reboot comics, and the movie, and the, I mean, the game, and the second game? You already had the story written. It, it was, was already a good, a good story. origin story. You had already had good characters. You had Sam, and Jonas, and Roth. And Roth's love interest, can't remember her name right now, and Zach, and that really shitty doctor who is, like, the guy who's actually getting the funding. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm surprised that you wouldn't introduce, you wouldn't include a character like that, because that is literally the easiest shitbird in the entirety of, like, of all Tomb Raider kind of games. Like, you're an asshole. Like, he's just explicitly an asshole. He's not, like, a bad guy. He's just a dick. Yeah. And that would have been super easy to go with. I, yeah, I don't... They cut out a lot of characters, and then, like, the characters they kept, they completely changed. Like, Matthias is completely different. Well, they kept... Meta like, the only characters from the game, from Tomb Ra from the reboot, from 2013 Tomb Raider, are Lara and Matthias. And in this one... And in the movie, Matthias is some sort of, like, mercenary for I had an extra for some reason. <laughs> and in the game... He's a crazy cult leader who is who basically started the cult because he realized he couldn't leave the island because... Okay, so in the movie, there's a random storm that destroys their boat. And the thing is, no one leaves uh, Yamatai, no one enters Yamatai. In the game, it makes sense because the island is fucking cursed by Himiko because she is, she is the... Uh, goddess of the sun she has the storm guard her spirit her it, her immortal spirit it curses the island so that anyone tries to leave anyone tries to enter they die by storm so the storm just happens in the movie and that means that matthias can leave whenever he wants except for like his trinity contract yeah he can leave whenever he wants he technically could so in the game Matthias. Well, I mean, I guess maybe they didn't explain it, but maybe the boat that they got there was ruined, and like all the other boats that are there that are moored or whatever are just wrecked. But the helicopter gets there fine at the end of the movie. No problem for the helicopter. Yeah, but that's a helicopter. No, but there's a helicopter in the game too. A plane and a helicopter go down in the game because of the curse. I think it's... Okay, so the the difference in the movie and the game is that the game relies on the supernatural. The movie doesn't. So right, but here's the thing: can't... with Matthias's character, 
his entire character is he's stuck there because of the supernatural. So when you take away the aspect of it, he, he can no longer be crazy cult leader who is actually right. And it also takes away the aspect of his character where at the end of the Tomb Raider game, spoilers by the way for a five-year-old game, um, Matthias literally tells Lara, uh, uh, you think you're the fucking hero? I did this to live. I've been trying to get off this shitty fucking island for years, and you think somehow you're the hero because you were doing your own survival thing. Okay, so I think that you're more, you have a, more of a problem with the, fa- the fact that he completely changes character. Well, his and new character's a shit on top of it. Hmm? New character shit on top of well, it. Well, yeah, I know that. But I'm trying to explain, like, maybe why he didn't leave. Because, like, the big thing is that he can't leave in the games because of the curse. But in the movie, there is no curse. There's no supernatural. Like, Himiko is not, well, first off, she's not a sun god, goddess, or anything like that. She's some deaf goddess. And yeah. it's like, it, there's no supernatural because the curse is not actually a curse. She's a carrier of some disease that turns people some into zombies. Some zombie disease. Which I think appears in the sequel and some DLC or something like that, based off of what I was reading. But base, basically, yeah, like her body is a carrier of a disease. And if she touches you, you get fucked. And it's like, all right, cool. But there's no supernatural. So... Also, Storm Guard in the movie. In the movie, by the way, there are no, there's no army of fucking samurai that slaughter people. It's just traps. There's just traps. There's a lot of traps. Typical Tomb Raider stuff. Yeah. Except without the supernatural. Yeah. So then, the storms around the island are just because the island is in a really shitty area for the sea. And that happens sometimes. There are places are in the ocean that's just really shitty to, to sail around. I understand. It's just that he—he's not leaving the island because he's contractually obligated to, and the only way in and out would be Trinity's helicopters. And if he tries to call in a thing to leave, they would be like, "Fuck you! Finish the contract that you signed up for." So it's like he can't leave. He can't leave until he actually gets the thing. The cult of Solari was so much more interesting, though. Well, that's because it's a cult. It makes it was just more interesting instead of ha- having Trinity as a paramilitary group. It was the reboot story was more con- condensed and concise, and like it served as an origin story and just as its own standalone story, which is what this movie should have done. Because this movie, you can tell, is baiting for a sequel at the end. They're not gonna get one. They're probably not going to get one, but it's baiting for a sequel at the end with the way it ends. Because in the end, she comes back from the island after solving everything and she signs that her dad is dead. She finds out that her dad's partner uh, is actually a Trinity agent. So she's like, okay, well then I got to fight Trinity. And she goes through her dad's files about Trinity or something like that because he was embroiled in it. Also, her dad's company owns Trinity. That was weird too. Um, they owned a they owned a company that supplied Trinity. So her, so her her dad's company is Trinity or something or stupid. something something like that. I didn't actually co- understand the connection. Stupid. I didn't understand the connection. But um, and at the end, she she goes back to the pawn shop and like picks out guns, and it's a very clear reference to the old Tomb Raider games because her hair is braided and she has dual pistols. And I was like, okay, that's nice, but it's very clearly sequel baiting. I also preferred the way, the way she ends. got the guns in uh, the game, which is she takes them both off Matthias, 
and then just and then just keep shooting Matthias for like a minute, just emptying the clips in him, in him. and then he and then he, he has the big the big bad guy death, mm-hmm. and that and that was more fun for her to get the pistols that way, because wait no she had she got a pistol off him and then she kept a uh, Ross pistol because mm-hmm. one of those pistols is Ross. So that's where she got her guns. She got one by killing her enemy, and she got one from her dying mentor. But here it says, I bought them from Nick Frost. I did. He was the best part, though. He was the best part. He was the most entertaining. But he shouldn't have been, because that's not what the movie was. It was just, he was really funny. And then, I think, so, the movie was trying to do too much. Pulling on the dad story, it should not, the writers shouldn't have done that. The writers should have just gone with, um the the story from the reboot game because it was already written and it's actually a good story because um you're not relying on the typical tropes Lara's trying to save her best friend sam it's a girl trying to save a girl it's like that you don't usually see that that's good and then you have like a like a cast of characters that you actually you know knew the names of and you had an interesting uh, antagonists, both in the cult and with Himiko. So, they should have just gone with that. I don't know why they didn't do that. I don't know what Square Enix was thinking. By the way, they did produce this, so they did put their name on this. I don't know what Square so they Enix knew. was thinking. They knew that these changes were being made, and they went with it. So, yeah. And there were parts where the writing was okay, but that was all in the beginning. And I have to bring up Lou Ren's character. So Lou Ren is the Asian captain. And uh, Laura has to find him because his dad worked with her dad. And her, her, his dad sold her dad a boat or something like that. And they went to the island of Yamatai together. Lou Ren's introduction is great. So Daniel Wu is awesome. He's a really good actor. And his lines and his introduction were, were pretty well written. Aside from like a really few shitty one-liners. But there's a part where she's looking in her dad's like little book thing, codex journal, whatever, and there's a little code, and she's like, I don't know how to solve this. Lou Ren looks up, looks at a clock, and he's hung over as fuck. He's just like, they're clock hands. And she's like, shut up, they're not clock hands. Oh shit, they're clock hands. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then he had a few like really, really good like um, quips with her in that scene, but after... They start leaving to Yamatai. His role goes downhill. There's no... There's nothing else to his character and nothing else to his role aside from waiting for Lara in the end and rescuing her from, like, the, the tomb. That's it. That's the only purpose his character serves. He has nothing else. He finds out his dad dies and there's no... Oh, yeah, right when he gets there, too. Yeah, like, and there's no, like... That, that's the end of his journey. That's it's, the end of his your journey. Your dad is dead. Yeah, your dad's dead. We watched him get shot and murdered. It was like, okay, there's nothing else. There's no follow-up to that. So his character gets nixed real early and it's, it's, a, it's a shame because he was an entertaining character. And he's, like, not the typical Asian, like, stereotype character, too. He's, like, a drunk captain who uses a shotgun and is hung over his fuck. It, it was great. And then they killed it. <laughs> I do have to say though, I mean, aside from, I know we've been talking about the movie's faults for like half an hour, but there were some good things about the movie. Not everything, but there were some good things. I think Alicia Vikander 
aside from the fact that she <laughs> half the movie was her crying uh in vocally in pain or something like that uh and then like on the verge of crying um she i thought she did a really good job conveying pain so there there's a few scenes where she gets hurt and i thought she did a really good job like showing that she was in pain and hurt like it felt really um gritty and visceral and so i thought she did a great job with that um everybody else not so much aside from maybe lou ren's first half and nick ross yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much like the biggest thing about this movie it's just it's just such a the writing's bad Except for a few parts in the beginning with Nick Frost and uh, I can't remember the name of the actor who plays who plays who plays the other one. Hold on. Who Lou Ren? Yeah, Lou Ren. Daniel Wu. It was Daniel Wu. Okay. Yeah. So they have some good lines, but otherwise it's just written like crap. Um, the only good parts of the movie besides those, besides some of the quips, there is they got a lot of the not all of it. But they got quite a bit of the setting right. Yeah, the the the, vis- the visual imagery was pretty good. So if you've played the games, there are a few like things that like are kind of iconic, like Lara and the river and that kind of stuff in the plane. They got a lot of those right. It is a little bit out of order because they had to butcher the story and cut it up and like paste things in different areas. But a lot of that was like really, really um, not I guess not accurate, but like very similar. Which was nice. And I think for this movie, the action was not that bad. It was, if you could really shut your brain off and you cut out the first 10 minutes of the movie. If you had never seen a Tomb Raider game, then maybe you'd enjoy it. If you just enjoy action movies, you might enjoy it if you cut out the first 10 minutes because the pacing after the first 10 minutes is actually not too bad. Once she actually starts getting into the plot, once the movie gets into the plot, pacing's not too bad. I didn't feel like it dragged in any parts. And the visuals for the action were also not too bad. Though I have to say, she uses bow and arrow the entire time when she could have just picked up a gun. You know? After the first part. She just leaves a gun behind after she kills the first guy. Yeah. She just leaves the gun behind. She just leaves the gun. You idiot. It's like, no, I would pick that up. It's the game logic. Pick up the better weapon. She doesn't even get a gun until the very end of the movie at, like, the sequel bait. And it's like... Why? You know, it's like, why? You know, in the game, like, she kills one guy, shaking about it, and it's like, okay, this is what I have to do to to survive this. To survive this bullshit, I have to kill these people. And she gets a submachine gun, a pistol, and a shotgun in the game. You could have shown one of those. You had the bow, and you had the climbing axe, but you, she didn't even use the climbing axe most of the time. She hit one guy with a climbing axe. She did, and that was from Rise of the Tomb Raider, and... No, there's a climbing axe it? in the first game. Roth gives it? it to her. Oh god, it's been a while, I don't remember. Yeah, she gets, she has the she has the climbing axe... She doesn't axe use it, basically. ...through a lot of the Rise of the Tomb Raider. She uses it as a stealth kill option, and... She, but, yeah, they didn't, she doesn't really use it in this one. She, like, whacks... Matthias with it once. 
And that's not at the end when she's chasing him down for the final confrontation. She doesn't even use the climbing axe. Matthias uses the climbing axe because she, he, she throws it away. And it's like, what the fuck are yeah, you no, doing? I, in the end, when he's like on... So there's a there's a gap and there's like a bunch of skeletons and dead people under the gap because it's a big, a big drop. And there's a like a ladder bridge that they had set up uh, to cross into Himiko's tomb. And like Matthias is trying to run out with like Himiko's finger because biological weapon okay, for trinity hold on, hold so on, one second before you get to that part so instead of being a sun goddess that can control okay weather no hold on weapon, let me finish that because okay. we'll go back to that because i okay. know where you're going and it's gonna be it's gonna take us far away okay ladder bridge matthias mm-hmm. is on it Lara comes up and immediately throws the the uh, the, the snow pick whatever it's called down she literally just throws it down and jumps on the ladder and swings up to stop him. Instead of, I don't know, throwing it at him. or Just hit him in the back of the head. It's so Yeah, easy. she throws it down. And when I saw that, I was just like, really? You're going to drop your weapon for that? That's kind of stupid. You know what the, the crazier thing is that she actually gets ahead on the ladder. And <laughs> she gets ahead on the ladder and jumps and like jumps across jumps across almost right and mm-hmm. she's on the front side of the ladder like she, he can't pass her and he has a bum leg so she could have just walked over to the other end and kicked the ladder down she could have just kicked the ladder down from her end but it then she been wouldn't have survived so easy well then again she, no she no she could have gone to the other side kicked the ladder down and just left i know but she could have also just kicked the ladder down from her side approaching him but that's what she did do no she didn't and the afterwards, yeah, she kicked on on that side. Okay, so she, so they're coming from Himiko's tomb, right? Okay. And like he's on the ladder. Right. I meant, so so here's the ladder, and here's here's Lara. She could have just kicked the ladder off on her side instead of jumping over. Does that make sense? Yeah, she could have. But the other thing is that like, what she actually does is actually jumps onto the ladder, she which stays stable, which stays which stable, which stays stable, and then she's on the ladder. And she could have just walked, like, two feet backwards, kicked the ladder off, and this left him there to die. Yeah, I know that. I guess what I'm trying to say is the jump was stupid. The jump was stupid. But and she could have just do, kicked if it. If you're going to do the jump, at least make it so that it makes sense the next five minutes. Because that was filler. That fight was filler. That fight was filler. And, like, he gets the upper hand, but then it was like, oh, no, an explosion, and then she gets the upper hand. It's like the, the forced labor scene was, was filler. That oh, scene does not yeah. matter. That's right. That scene really doesn't Coughing matter. Coughing old man shoot uh Matthias like, shoots I, him. I understand plot wise, narrative wise, why they included it. They're trying to say Matthias is this cold, ruthless killer who could kill Lara, and he's willing to do it, but he doesn't. And it was like, okay, and there's like tension. I understand why they included that. I thought it was still stupid anyways. But yeah, that's that's the reason. Anyways, going back to the supernatural. Or lack thereof. Okay, so... Now we can do... We in, can talk about that. In the, in the movie... In the game, rather. Um, Himiko's whole thing is that she's immortal, but someone sabotaged the ritual to make her body immortal. So her soul's immortal, but her body's not. So... In order to, in order to fix this, what they do is that they have maidens sacrifice themselves to be... Himiko's new body, right? And Himiko's powers are starting storms at will, and she has an army of immortal samurai called the Storm Guard. 
and the other and like basically her soul's immortal so she can basically bide her time and then when she ran out of maidens she went to the top of this badass monastery and then like went into like uh she like had a ritual where basically she was kept like uh like stone basically until a suitable um suitable sacrifice like sam in the game came along now in the movie himiko has no powers there is no storm guard there she was, has handmaidens and she, she has handmaidens but they've all been immediately sacrificed so they're not even around anymore i actually i was really hoping they would pop up and start fighting i thought that would be cool yeah i also thought that'd be cool but it's not that kind of movie i guess yeah i know and then there's no there's no ruins of their of their society either except besides for one underground ca- one underground castle which is really confusing why you need an underground castle and not the entire thing just be a mo- just be like a giant mausoleum but okay um ancient japanese imagery i don't know i guess um but it was so much better in the game like they they, they we we know we're, we're we've already established the game is better i know but it's just the castle and the monastery in the uh, in the game were just so much cooler. Anyway, so she doesn't have any powers. The whole thing with Himiko is that she was a carrier, which she, she was immune to a, a disease that causes uh, rapid necrosis and creates zombies mm-hmm. out of people. So she had no power. She just had this disease which i don't know where she got it from either way because she had to become queen so for her to be queen she had to have subjects who were alive for a while yeah so i guess she just contracted this disease at some point and and she was a carrier like typhoid mary and shit yeah i guess and that's her whole thing so the legend of himiko doesn't make sense because she has no power then well i mean i guess if, say, back in the day, you didn't understand how diseases spread, if she touched you and you were fucked, it was like, oh shit, she has powers. Like, I can understand that, and I can understand why that's the case, but then, for the for the movie, why are there no supernatural things? Like, why would they rewrite it like that? I understand trying to ground Tomb Raider, but a big part of Tomb Raider is the supernatural stuff. I mean, I know, like, in the previous games, it was probably more apparent. But in this one, it was like... You know what I thought of, actually, while watching this movie? What? I saw, I thought about the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Where they try to grind. And the reason why is because... So, Tobey is a high schooler in that one. In Amazing Spider-Man, you know, it's a college student. And in the upcoming Spider-Man game, he's, he's, a, uh, he's a professor. At that point. So he's graduated college. Okay. But in the Tobey Maguire yeah, Spider-Man. Grad school. Yeah. So in Tobey Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he's a high schooler. So in that one, the director, he's, he thought that, well, no one's going to believe that uh, a high schooler made web spinners. Which is unfair because in the in the comics... Peter Parker was always in, was always massively intelligent. He was always a genius, and that's why he was able to craft all the things he needed to be Spider-Man. So in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, it's like, oh, he just shoots it out of his wrist, which is like the most. It's the most I've seen Spider-Man, but never read it Spider-Man thing I've ever seen. Which is basically 
That's true. It comes out of his wrist area. Oh, it must. He must have like a little thing directly. He in might his wrist. actually be a Spider-Man because he's got spider senses and shit. He's got. He sp- must have actually been bitten. He must. Be, he must be half spider. Like he must the, literally be half spider. It's like the uh, Spider-Man character in Venture Brothers, where he shoots it out of his ass like a like a regular spider. I don't think I remember that character. Oh, it's so great. I don't um, remember a lot from Venture Brothers though. I watched it when I was younger. We have to. We'll have to. Like, I only. We'll have to marathon I only at some remember. Point. <laughs> Molotov Cocktees and uh what's his name? Brock Samson's Yeah, Molotov Cocktees and Brock Samson. Okay, we'll have Oh to... and uh and uh Miss oh, what was it? His uh, the um monarch uh, uh Doctor Girlfriend. Doctor Girlfriend with a really deep voice. With the really deep voice, I remember that, yeah. Um but yeah. What we'll the what the marathon on Rabbit at some point. But basically basically, like that it was the most I'd seen this thing but never read it thing I ever saw. I had that same feeling here where it was basically, you know, people aren't going to believe that there's a goddess, that there's a person who can cause storms and has an immortal army of samurai. So despite how cool that is, we're going to replace it with a zombie disease and some traps. That That's the thing. I think maybe because like on the surface, the reboot game is very realistic. And then you get to the part where it's like, oh shit, Supernatural. But it was like, the cult was right all along. Oh, God, fuck. Yeah. That kind of thing. And it's like, it made sense then. And I understand they didn't want to make it like a supernatural action adventure movie like The Mummy. Because The Mummy is like, like right away you know it's supernatural. And that's how you can tell The Mummy's a better movie. That's how you can tell The Mummy's a better movie. Because with Brendan Fraser's character, he's not like, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Brendan Fraser, like, it's a fucking mummy, and he has fucking enslaved mind followers, and there's there's flesh-eating scarabs everywhere, and he's got more soldiers, and he's building his body back up by stealing people's life there's, force. There's things that we can't understand. There are powers. Fuck it. I'm gonna try to kill him. I guess maybe they thought Hollywood... So, like, game audiences will probably be more accepting of the story going to a supernatural way only because they know about tomb raider but then it's like hollywood audiences would not be as um accepting accepting i guess is the word but like the problem to me the biggest problem that they have never learned in 30 years of making like video game movies and comic book movies and like like for the last 30 that plot's already written for them it's that the plot's already written for you and that the people who are coming to see this movie are not people who have never heard of it. It's the people who are fans of the source material. Well, oh, okay, so there are arguments like we made for that. So uh, people who want to see the Warcraft, who want, who wanted to see the Warcraft movie, were not people who had never heard of it. It it was people who had played World Warcraft and the Warcraft games. Well, here's the thing: when you're making a movie, Holly, okay, so like you have games. Games are made for very specific people. It's like, whatever. Like, you could make a niche game and people would still buy it and play it because it's like, that's what they enjoy. They enjoy games like that. But with a movie, it's less so because there's a bigger audience and you're most likely when Hollywood makes these movies, they want to tap into that larger audience. Because yes, you can have video game fans go to see your movie and then pay money for the movie. But then it's like, that's a small subsection compared to the larger moving going audience who maybe has never um picked up a game in their life. Their money too. They're paying paying um viewers as well. 
And that's what they're trying to tap into, which is why a lot of these video game movies try to write the adaptation in a way that it's it's um, the audience, the regular layman, will be entertained by it. But, but see, they always fuck it up. Everything becomes an origin story. Then. That's the biggest problem with it. Everything is an origin story when you decide no one watching the movie has any prior knowledge. So why would you intentionally sandbag your movie for pe- for a demographic you're not even sure you're going to hit, though? Because if you can hit the demographic... That actually, like the ga- like the gaming demographic, the comic book demographic, you can hit. If you can hit them, you can still hit the other demographic. You can still hit the people who haven't touched it, who haven't read it, because they'll be more. Because the idea is, if they really want to get into that aspect, if they want to be that deep into it, then they'll look up that information. But they don't need to know every single thing. With they don't need to have every bit of context necessarily. Because, like, no one's going to look for context in the Rampage movie. What no, context? Because there's, there's, like, there's, like, a... There's, there's like, such a random there's a, adaptation. There's, 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 like, there's the same amount of plot in that movie, in that game, as there is in, like, in the Metal Slug games. Yeah. So, I don't, like, if they made a Metal Slug movie, I don't want... An, I wouldn't want a, 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 like, a 30-minute part in the beginning where they had to introduce all the characters. Oh, like, Lara's rebellious attitude kind of shit. And, like... Like oh here's here's Fio and it's like I I know who she is just just go to the game where she becomes a zombie and then fires giant projectile blood vomit at helicopters. So here's the thing in terms of adaptations, you're like shifting off the couch. What's going on? I'm, I'm just reorienting myself to be more comfortable. Oh I see. Okay, I thought you were like I don't want to be here anymore. I'm gonna fall off the couch now. No. Fuck it. Um. Comic book adaptations have actually gotten a lot better in terms of introducing it to the lay the lay person. I mean, at least with Marvel. No, what? No, DC. The <laughs> bat the Batman trilogy. Right, like DC's most valuable most IP valuable IP is all right, but and we don't talk about everything else. We don't we don't talk about the rest of the universe. There's no, only yeah, Batman. No, it's only Batman. Um, Nolan's trilogy is fine because it introduced like batman characters but it worked it in a way that like even the lay person could like it yeah there's I, I marvel think same thing marvel same thing They're, these are comic book adaptations and and obviously comic books are gonna be a little goofy but they managed to work it in a way that it's like it's not too bad and like in, in iron uh, iron man and shit they have powers and stuff so like why couldn't they have done that, done that for tomb raider you know because square enix is filled with fucking dipshits. Well, I mean, these are the same people who release like a million Kingdom Hearts games and expects an audience to follow it. That's just filler at that point. But um, yes, Square Enix did produce this, and they have their name on it. So they they had the story some was level written. some level of authority over over this. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing. So Square Enix saw this and thought. Oh well, we want to hit that demographic up beyond our gaming demographic, and it's like okay, but if you're gonna do that, you should include the first demographic anyway. You should consider them at least initially because that's going to be your core demographic. That's the one that you should be able to rely on consistently. There shouldn't be a problem with that. There should be that okay. I know that that fan base for this thing will want to see this movie. Because it doesn't matter if you write the same story in the movie. We don't care. We want, we want to see it in the movie. 
that's that's what it is like with like the scene where she's taking out like the uh like the giant piece of wood in her stomach mm-hmm. granted it was done it, there was a scene like that uh where she is sitting in a helicopter like a in a downed helicopter trying to do that and i think that one's a bit better but it still was a good scene when she did it yeah and it's like you don't have to try to make it a completely new thing. So like, oh, you haven't seen this before. Oh my god, that's because the that's the Assassin's Creed problem. Yeah, because like that's the Assassin's Creed. Problem you haven't seen so this much. side of it before. It's like I don't want to see that side of it. I don't want to see some side story for Prince of Persia. I just want to see Sands of Time. Just give me Sands of Time. But you got Sands of Time. That's not Sands of Time. <laughs> there are no zomb sand zombies in the in the movie. So it's like. It's like, do they think that if you incorporate these supernatural elements, it's goofy? Is that why these guys? But if don't... that's the case, then because like as, I understand, as dumb Sansa. as Jumanji is, the Jumanji movie actually is doing really well. Well, that's because it's doing well in China, right? But like, just because it's goofy, doesn't mean like it's gonna be like it's I gonna guess... be. Oh, it's gonna be shit. I guess it's because it's like. When you have, like, the tone of the movie is very serious, suddenly pulling out the supernatural, I guess to Hollywood executives, they're like, this is weird. Why would you break the tone like then this with what, the supernatural? But supernatural can be serious. What the fuck was Harry Potter then? Yeah. What was Harry Potter then? Maybe maybe their problem was that with Harry Potter, at least you know it's supernatural in the very beginning. And then it becomes serious. Guess what? If you had seen any Tomb Raider game, you'd know it was supernatural from the beginning. And honestly, they actually did make Tomb Raider movies. They made two with yeah. Angelina Jolie. Guess what? I watched those the first movies one. had supernatural elements in it. Guess what? The t- the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies are better than the reboot Tomb Raider movie. I don't know about that. I I would rather have Angelina Jolie do stupid shit than watch serious Vikander. Try to like do her best with this shitty script. No, I don't. No, I have to disagree with that. I would rather have a massive army of giant zombie mutants than zombie plague. Okay, I need to disagree with that because the Tomb Raider, the old Tomb Raider movies were really bad. They were. I watched it one time just randomly on Netflix, and it was just she's Angelina Jolie is just not a good Lara Croft. Like she doesn't come off as intelligent. She just comes off as reading. And, like, I know here, Alicia Vikander does not come off as intelligent, but her character <laughs> wasn't written like that. Her character wasn't written in any way that would show intelligence aside from the first in, scene. In this movie or in the in the, in the the Angelina Jolie movies? In this movie. Because she's also doing research in this movie. She just does, like, puzzles, but you'd never see her actually figure things out. Uh, it's she, all, like... That's what she does in, like, the last, like, in, like, the climax, though. Where it's, like, it doesn't make sense. There has to be something here. In every myth, there's a grain of truth. Oh, it's a zombie plague. That was in the movie. That was in the movie. But that's. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, Angelina Jolie, the way they wrote the character was, like, she was trying to come off as intelligent. Like, they had, like, these specific scenes. Not like the MacGuffin or um, uh, whatever. Oh, this this light of inspiration hits me. Like, in, in Angelina Jolie's movie, like, she lives in Croft Manor, and, like, she has all these books and all this shit. And I think she even has, like, a puzzle room or something at one point, and she, like, fucks around with that. Guess what? The Angelina Jolie 
mo- uh, movies are more accurate and more faithful to the game than this one is. Well, they were faithful maybe to the older games, but they were trash for our movies. They were bad. They were. Yeah, they're guilty pleasures. They're I not. Guess, they're not great movies. You they're know, not good I would movies. compare the Angel- the Tomb Raider movie with Angelina Jolie. I guess I would compare it to the Resident Evil movies in that. Yeah, I guess they could become a guilty. Because some of the Resident Evil movies are they're not great, they're goofy, but they're enjoyable. But they're goofy. That's I'll, why I watch a Resident Evil movie. I don't have a problem with that. I wouldn't watch this movie again. That's. I think the thing is, I could those... watch the Angelina Jolie uh, Angelina Jolie movies again today, and I'd be fine with it. I could spend the rest of my rest of today doing that, and I'd be like. Today was a pretty good day. Is it because those movies, the way they are, the way they were written at the time, is that they were goofier? They come off as goofy because they do incorporate the game elements, but it's just fucking goofy. I think that's a value. Like, like maybe that's why... goofy, because that's the thing. If you're goofy, then... It's so bad, it's good. You're not doing melodrama. You're not, that's you're true. Not, you're not being dramatic. If you're being goofy, then it's fine. Because the thing is, like, no one is watching the Angelina Jolie movie... For like the well, they're watching it for her. They're watching it for her. A lot of people are watching it for her. Yeah, and a lot of people are watching it for like the action. Some people are watching it for the game aspects of it. I don't but really remember much action in that movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. But the idea is that you're watching it because it's just entertainment. Like you, I feel like you could turn your brain off with those movies. Actually, no, I don't feel like you could turn your brain off with this one. You're right. So, which is why earlier I said if you could turn your brain off. This movie does have good action. If you could, but you definitely, it's much, much harder. Like for Tomb Raider, you're right. The original Tomb Raider of Angelina Jolie, you can definitely turn your brain off with that. It's very mindless. It's very mindless. And it's actually very easy to turn your brain off. But for this one, it's much harder. This one won't let you turn your brain off. It yeah. won't allow you. It won't. You're it's right. like, you're going to listen to this and pay attention. It's like, I don't want to. Why are we doing this chase scene again? Except this time, it's pickpockets instead of bikers. That, okay, that scene was stupid because I knew immediately what was going to happen. She was walking into fucking, where were they? H- Hong Kong? It was Hong Kong. They're walking into, like, the, 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 the docks of Hong Kong with her bag, one sling over her shoulder. Not both, just one. I was just like, you're going to get it stolen. Yeah. You idiot. This is going to be how we see, how we find the, the other, the other lead. Okay. Okay. I mean, you find the other lead. Like, the, the whole point of that scene was you find Lou Ren at the end with that. And you, you show that, oh, she's so adept at running and parkour and all this stuff. Like, stuff that she'll need for her later adventures as a Tomb Raider. She, she, which is understandable, but you could also show it. You show it later just fine in the actual, like, meat of the movie on Yamatai. You show her jumping around on the plane and do, making all these, like, interesting decisions. That scene leading up to finding drunken Lou Ren on his boat was oh, stupid. Also, also he, she has fighting moves. That oh, was yeah, the fighting. other thing. Like, yeah, course. oh, yeah, fighting moves. She can get this guy in a headlock. But the thing is... It was dumb. First, the first scene of the movie establishes she's a street smart courier girl, whatever, because she can like outwit these these men, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then she fucking walks into Hong Kong. With and he gets outsmarted sl- by a bunch of like a bunch of boys. Not outsmarted, fucking naive as fucking gullible. It's and like these you have street smarts. Why the fuck are you walking in there with your bag like that? And then, and then she lets him go, and he pulls out a knife. He's like. Of course he has a knife. He's a pickpocket in Hong Kong. Of course he has a weapon. It you was... think he doesn't get in the violent situations? 
by stealing. It's like for some, they establish her character as some like smart in like books, and then clever. also smart. Oh, cl- clever, uh, smart in books, and clever like. In terms of, like, a street person kind of thing. She has street smarts and book smarts, but then she spends the rest of the movie going, that was a lie, by the way. That, was, that wasn't that was real. Yeah, it... I was faking it. I, it's just that first scene completely gets contradicted by the Hong Kong scene, and I'm just like, okay, then. You don't even know what your character you're writing. This movie can't decide if Laura Croft, if Lara Croft is vulnerable or if she's strong. This movie flips back and forth between them. A skilled writer would make it work. Because there's... You can be vulnerable in some ways and strong in other ways. And then you can... You can... If you're a good writer, you can actually make that work. Like, say, somebody's physically strong but mentally vulnerable. The new season of Jessica Jones, um, which details everything that happens after um, the Purple Man, uh, Kilgrave... It's really good because she's physically very strong and willfully very strong, but mentally and emotionally a very weak person. And that was done well. That's not the case here, Lara Croft. And it, like, I think it's especially telling when it came to the scene where she first kills somebody. So I know there's, it happens in the games that she kills somebody and she gets very rattled by it. And she talks to Roth, right? About it. But in this one, she kills a person. And it's a very big scene because the guy like, she drowns him and he like stops moving it's a big scene and she like gets off of him and like is like like she gets a little shaken but they cut it immediately because she sees the shadow of her dad and like runs after him they didn't develop that scene she recovers so quickly because she sees this this shadow and and chases after him like that's literally what it is that it's like it's it's like by like oh i just killed a man wait who was that in the shadows exactly it was like they don't even give any time for her to to actually have a very human moment of taking somebody's life. They don't give her any any um, any moment to do that, and they immediately move on to the next day. And it's like, that kind of sucks. You need a slow moment. You need a slow moment. I know overall the pacing of the movie, I said, aside from the first 10 minutes or so, is okay. But like I think for that moment, they should have given her more time. It you're raising your hand because you're trying to find... So, the writer of this movie... Oh, God, is that not Roar Othog or whatever his name is? I mean, he's the director. He has an interesting name. It is a very interesting name. The writer is Evan uh, Doherty. Okay. He wrote... Okay. Uh, in 2006, his first movie was Rusty Forkblade. I don't know what that is. I don't is. know what that is. He also wrote Snow White and the Huntsman. No! And he wrote Killing Season, The Four Players, Divergent, the movie. No! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, no! the movie! <laughs> the Huntsman Winter's War, the no! movie! <laughs> and Tomb Raider, the movie! Oh no, this is really bad! And then the the person No wonder it's so bad. The person who wrote all the games, that's uh Rihanna Pratchett. Here's what she's written. She's written Mirror's Edge. That's why I know. Beyond Divinity. Right. I'm a, I'm a, she has a really long one, so I'm just going to name the important ones. Okay, yeah, name the important ones. Beyond Divinity, Heavenly Sword, Overlord, Mirror's Edge, uh, Prince of Persia, Overlord 2, Risen, Bioshock Infinite as an additional writer, uh, Tomb Raider the first game, uh, Thief, which was, it was okay written rise. it was okay, uh, right, and then Rise of Tomb Raider. Rise of the Tomb Raider, and uh, she's also written all the comics. 
for the the 2008 comics, the 2013 comic for the reboot, and then all the comics, and then the Tomb Raider comics from number seven, number eighteen. So like that was like and in 2015. Okay. And then she also wrote uh, Legends of Red so- uh, Sonia number three. Oh, she did Red Sonia. Huh. And uh, she also wrote uh, The Watch. So I don't she- know about The Watch. So, so she has a very diverse writing history. The Watch is a British fantasy police movie uh, show. It's a oh, British it's a show. show. It's a show. Okay. It's, she... it, it's basically being cop in the fantasy world. That's what it is. Bright? No, not bright. <laughs> this is a British I mean, show, so it's good. So it's good. Oh, poor Will Smith. <laughs> um, poor that writer. Poor that writer. He, he, he. Okay, you compare Tomb, Ra- Tomb Raider's games writer, mm-hmm. and then you compare Tomb Raider movies writer. It's like there's no contest. Yes, yeah. Rihanna Pratchett is a massively better writer. Well, in every way, shape, and form. And Evans, Evan has written pretty much. All the things that are wrong with movies. Okay, in the, so in, in recent in recent years, I have a story. So Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, I got dragged to see it by friends. Okay, so we went and watched it, and I remember thinking of this movie. Aside from Bella Swan, Kristen Stewart being the main lead and being boring as fuck, the entire movie was awful. So that was my thought. Halfway through the, well, not even halfway, five minutes into the movie, and at the end of the movie, I was like, this is a really bad movie. And then I got a sequel, and I was like, what the fuck? Sequel? Okay. He wrote the sequel, too, so obviously it's pretty shit. What else did he write? Uh, uh, Killing Season. I didn't watch that. Divergence, though. That's like a Killing shitty young Season adult movie. was a pretty decent movie. John Travolta and Robert De Niro were in it. It was basically American Vet versus Serbian War Veteran. Oh, okay. I, rem- I remember the poster for that. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing a bit of it. What else did he write? He wrote. He wrote, he wrote a web series based on Super Mario Brothers called The Four uh, Players. Okay. He wrote Divergent the movie. I already talked about that. Uh, being TMNT shit. the movie. Right. So TMNT is also shit, and everybody hated that. And that was like what directed by uh, Transformers dude. What's his name? Michael uh, Bay. Michael Bay. Yeah, it was directed by him, right? Yeah. Yeah, they I'm like sure. Yeah, and that was also really bad. He's just had a bad like. His filmography is just shitty movies. Actually, it was directed by Jonathan uh, Liebesman. It was produced by Michael Bay, Oh, though. sorry. I couldn't tell the difference. There's a shitload of producers, actually. It's TMNT. They probably were throwing all their producers at it. Um, but they also wrote the sequel to Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, I know. I know. The Huntsman Winter's War and, and then, then Tomb Raider. They just have a... Like, he has a bad history with writing movies. Why he's just not a good writer. And why didn't they bring Rihanna Pratchett in for that? Like, actually have her... If Ernest Cline gets it. to sit on, on Ready Player One and try to further the tire fire that is his intellectual property, <laughs> why doesn't Rihanna Pratchett get to come in and try to fix this additional tire fire of a movie? You know, I always wonder. So when you're adapting media... So, let's say, okay, so I was going to use comic book writers, but it's kind of difficult because comic book writers, like, they always, they they discuss paneling and stuff like that, which is a little bit different when adapting into, like, an actual um, movie format or, like, any film format. But, like, if you can pull uh, Neil Gaiman into your shit and have him, like, write something 
And if you could, you can pull video game writers and have them write stuff. Because, like, some of the video game writers obviously write for film or they write movies. And it's not that much different because the way you're scripting things out, it's like, it's very similar format wise. So, yeah, why didn't the hell they just talk to Rihanna? Rihanna? Also, Rihanna Pratchett owns several awards for her writing. Oh, so she's Evans all- holds none. <laughs> we I'm, clearly the superior I writer. Mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to. I'm not trying to shit talk Evans, but Evan, you're shit talking Evans, dude. It's, it's just that there was clearly a better writer, and you just didn't call her. You just didn't call her. You didn't even adapt her story correctly. You know what I think happened? I thought I think Square Enix like, oh, we need to make a movie. What are some movies out? Well, there's that guy who wrote all these Snow White movies. Those are good, right? Like that's what that's what teens and in, are into now. That's what the demographic. That's our but core this demographic. Tomb Raider was not geared towards teens. <laughs> Ready Player One. Actually, no, I'm not going to use that argument. Yeah, no one knows who that's written. For. Yeah, nobody knows. But Tomb Raider's not geared towards teens. I don't know what even Snow White Winter Huntsman's geared towards. Honestly, that was geared towards. Was that like Twilight audience yes. kind of? Okay. Yes. So it's like, let's get him to do it because he's doing the Snow White movies. Because he wrote that strong female Snow White lead. <laughs> Honestly. With no emotion. But no, yeah, she didn't have any emotion. Well, that's that's that, that's that actress. What's it, whatever her name Kristen is. Kristen Stewart. She has never had an emotion in her life. When she was younger. She could be an excellent when robot. When she was in Panic Room. She could play an excellent robot. You know, I can imagine that. That would be, if like an android, that would have been good. For her. That'd be good for her. Replace the actress who's playing Battle Angel Alita with her. Yeah. Oh my god. god. Battle Jesus Angel Christ. Alita is so not good. The eyes are so bad. But, um. Are you still looking at She the... has a Hall of Fame award for writing. Really? For yeah. what Hall of Fame? Uh, European Women in Games Hall of Fame award for, in 2013. Oh, jeez. Uh. Won the WGG Best uh, B Best Video Game Script Award in two thousand eight for Overlord. Um, nominated for writing Heavenly Sword. Uh, won Best New IP at E three uh, two thousand eight for Mirror's Edge. Uh, shortlisted for Best New IP at two thousand eight for Viking Battle of Asgard. Co-nominated for uh, Best Writing in, in twenty ten for Risen. Shortlisted for Best Video Game Script in Tomb Raider twenty thirteen. One outstanding achievement in video game writing at uh, Writers Guild of America for Rise of Tomb Raider. Oh, and also, shit. And also one outstanding achievement in character for Lara, for Lara Croft in the 19th Annual Dice Awards 2016. I don't care about the Dice Awards. The, the Writers Guild of America, WGA, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. Let's not pick this one. Let's pick the person who <laughs> wrote fucking Snow White and the Huntsman. The worst decision they could have made. Fucking Christ. I think Roar Uthog is... What has he directed? I feel like I've, I've seen his name. Let's somewhere. find out. But I don't think Roar Uthog is a particularly a bad director. There were some shots that were like fit, framed very well. And like pacing wise, it was like not that bad. Like it was just the script was awful. Okay, let's, what'd you write? What'd you direct? Let's see. He's not a new director, is he? He's been direct. He's a Norwegian director who's been directing since 1996. Roar Uthog. He has a movie called Fistful of Kebab. I think uh, I've heard of that one. He also directed The Wave. I don't know about that. I movie. don't know what The Wave is. Wait. Everything else is in Norwegian. Okay, so this is like one of his first English movies, I, I, I'm I assuming guess? Fistful of Kebabs in English, but everything else has Norwegian names. It could be Norwegian. 
I assume he's not a bad director just based off of his directorial work in this movie because a lot of the shots were framed very nicely and um, there were a lot of good camera angles and like good decisions, I think, um, in terms of um, the way the movie was composed. It's a disa- uh, the Wave's a disaster movie, by the way. About a wave. <laughs> it's Poseidon. Yeah. <laughs> God. God, fuck, Both man. Both Poseidons. God, the geez. old and the remake. Why did Square Enix skimp so much on like all the talent? In they this skimped movie? on Hitman Forty Seven as well. What? Don't... I actually wanted to see that movie only because Zachary Quinto was in it. Oh, it was a Hitman movie. I was expecting lots of blood and something funny, but that's not what happened. No, the Hitman movie was weird. Yeah, the the story was I, weird. I don't understand. Square Enix wants to make movies and they want to produce movies, but they simultaneously don't believe in it enough to actually put anything in of value. That's like the opposite of Ubisoft, except Ubisoft is trying to put things in of value, but then they're also no, you know, what? I take it back. They have a vision that they have that, a vision that doesn't that did, make sense. That doesn't make sense. So here's the thing: as I said before, in terms of adaptations, it seems like these video game companies, and like before it was Hollywood, but it seems like now since video game companies are becoming more hands on, the the movies that are coming out are a little bit better than what they were prior to video game companies being involved. So, for example, before that, it was just Uwe Boll. And we all know how his movies turned out. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But now they're getting, like, these companies are getting involved. But it seems like they're still really scared of actually adapting the game. Like, literally adapting the game. This is becoming a really long podcast. Um, It is. By the way, actually not by the way, hold on. So, I think the thing with that is that they used to think, like, oh, we'll just leave it to Hollywood. Hollywood will figure it out for us. But Hollywood doesn't know what to do because it's the same thing as adapting books and TV shows because Hollywood doesn't know how to pace something from a longer, from a larger source. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do that on their own. Especially since video games are interactive. So they don't know how to convey that story. So they assume, oh, we'll write our own story. Thereby alienating the the core demographic of the movie and then pretty much just kind of throwing away, throwing the movie onto, uh, basically throwing the proven concept out the window to try to lure in new audiences. So that was what it was before. And now that they're getting involved, it's like, okay, well, how do we do, how do we do movies now? So they have to learn how to do a movie. And with Tomb Raider being the highest rated movie, video it, game it movie. It is the highest rated video game with, live with, action with adaptation. With a 48%. Is it 48? I thought it was 50. It was 48. Um, it's not as good as Boss Baby on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my god. That's my litmus, litmus test for everything. Boss Baby. <laughs> not Award nominated Boss Baby oh, is yeah, my Oscar. litmus test for every movie. <laughs> if it's not better than Boss Baby, you shouldn't watch it. In okay. certain situations, except for certain situations, but with Tomb Raider, so just as a thing, just looking up, um, it has earned fifty-five million at the box office domestic, and then what was its budget? Two hundred million uh, foreign. Let's see its budget. I'm trying to find that. So that's two two hundred million, two hundred fifty-five million overall, then. And the cost of the movie i'm curious to see if it made back money or if it lost money because usually video game adaptations i think they lose money 
Usually, yeah. It should say on like Wikipedia or something. Um, but yeah, so I don't understand what it is, but I think like while it's gotten a little better now that the actual companies are getting involved, the actual like publishing companies and stuff, it's still not where it could be because they're still scared of adapting the media straight from the game. And I think it just has to do with Hollywood audiences. They keep thinking that they have to hit the layperson because the... Cause like they that's our give, new, that's our new, that's our that's our target demographic instead of you know the gamers, um, and I just don't understand why they're so scared of adapting this. The story's written out for them. Okay, so their budget, their budget was basically around a hundred million. So they have made a profit on. They it. did. They did make a profit. It's not an impressive profit. I mean, it's it's done over a hundred percent. So it's not over a hundred percent return. So, or that, or that would be. Yeah, two hundred percent return. So it's tw- they've made twice what it costed. Um, but as an interesting fact, the oh. first Tomb Raider movie with uh, with Angelina Jolie that costed ninety four million to make and made just about the same. Huh, that's interesting. So this movie actually made a profit, whereas the Angelina Jolie movie just kind of broke even. No, I, I mean it. It made the same. Oh, amount the same as amount as this, this one. Did. It made, oh, so then that... it costed slightly less, and it made slightly less than the Tomb Raider than this Tomb Raider movie. Oh, hmm. So, so we have no progress unless no you account progress. for inflation, which I wouldn't guess it, be, it wouldn't be too wouldn't crazy. Be too crazy because it's only like ten, ten no, seventeen years. So 17 it might be years. it might be sizable, but it wouldn't be. We'd have to run it through a calculator, yeah. which we don't have right now. But it would be basically. They've made no progress. It be it was zero progress. Well, I mean, you can tell it's zero progress because the, even with the the publishing companies getting their hands into it, they're still afraid to actually adapt the game, and they keep trying to write these new stories. Or at least in this case, it's a quote unquote new story with elements from the the reboot game and the sequel to the reboot. Because game. Because they think like, oh, people who played the games want something new, and it's like they don't. They don't. They really don't. They just want to see okay, the thing that Assassin's they played on Creed. movie. Should not have been whatever they did. We the, didn't, they we wrote did, a new story. We didn't for need it. the giant robot arm in someone's neck. It's cool. You don't need that. Well, I mean, okay, I understand the choice for that visually because the animus is a really stationary thing. But they should have just adapted the first game story because that actually had a good story and it made sense and it would have worked on screen. But no, they decided to write some stupid shit about spain and i'm just like okay could they not find anyone who looked like a jackass enough to be desmond miles they could have actually gotten the actual model who modeled... does he look the same yes oh yeah is, if is you... he not an actor is that the problem oh uh, he has a band his uh i think what's his name his I name is francisco the... randez and he's a he his heritage is like canadian spanish or something like that and he lives in Canada, so he's, he's a Canadian model. And when you look at what Desmond looked like in the first game and what Altair looked like in the first game, and you look at the, the model's face that they, they basically modeled it from, it's pretty much exactly the same. Okay. There's no change. Assassin's Creed 2, they start changing it, and they like it gets a little weird. Um, but overall, his face is pretty much the same. So they could have just gotten in. I mean... You know what? You know what? He would have costed less than Michael Fassbender. It's true. I mean, which is funny. Michael Fassbender is married to Alicia Vikander. Yeah. So they both of them have been in 
not so great video game adaptations now. that were beaten by boss baby that were beaten by boss baby that that's the that's the saddest moment really when <laughs> when you, boss you attach baby. your name oscar to, nominated boss baby you attach your name to a giant name in the video game industry but in the movie industry you're not as good as boss baby yep that's a damn shame. That's a fucking damn shame. <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. Uh, well, anyways. The best video game movie on Rotten Tomatoes is not better than Boss Baby. <laughs> We're making progress. It's better than what it was 20 years ago. What movie do you think will beat Boss Baby? Do you think Rampage will beat Boss Baby? I'm Rampage. sort of hoping Rampage beats Boss Baby. I want. I don't know. I want uh, Rampage to blow every other video game movie out of the water. Like, out of nowhere. I hope so. But, you know, at least it's better than what it was in the past. So we're making small amounts of progress, but it's like two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. So anyways, as this podcast is getting long, we should start wrapping it up. So final thoughts. What would, if you were to rate it. Oh, we're doing Red Letter Media now. Okay. Um, if you wanted to rate it. Uh, if I wanted to rate it. You don't have to rate it. Um, hold on. You could. You don't have to. No, you go first, and then I'll then I'll go. I'm just, I gotta think about it for a second. All right, I would give this movie a wooden paneling out of marble. <laughs> <laughs> Boring as fuck, and not as hard as marble. Okay. Not um, as grand and luxurious. No, I mean, if I were to give this an actual rating, though, and not a bullshit wood panel rating. Even though that's pretty much accurate, um, I would say it's a it's a pretty man movie. It's it's bland, and it definitely falls along mediocre. But it does do some things that are good. And if it had just if it had just been a better movie, those things would have excelled. So I'd give this like a like a fifty percent. Man, if that's not the phrase on everyone's lips in Hollywood, man, if only yeah, if it man. were a better movie, like the Emoji movie, man. Yeah. If I had to give this movie a rating, first as a number rating, I'd probably say a four. Actually, no, no, that's not fair. This is better. It's not related, but I gave a four to Alien Covenant. So this movie is at least more enjoyable than Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant. I mean, you didn't like Michael Fassbender playing with himself? You know what? I wish there was more of it in Alien Covenant. Me too. I wish Me that too. I wish that was a really long drawn out scene, but it's not. <laughs> and there are multiple Michael Fassbenders, not just two, multiple. Well, how can he make out with himself if there aren't two of them? True. Um, but what was I saying? Oh yeah, I'd probably give this movie a five or four point five. You know, it's better than Covenant. It's better than watching Alien Covenant. I guess. I guess that's what. You no. Know People... If I if I bumped Alien Covenant down to a three, I would call Tomb Raider four point five actually. But then. would you change your rating? Is it set in stone now? Not for Alien Covenant. It can always be worse. It could always be worse. It always gets worse. A lot of the people. Every really word worse. out of Ridley Scott's mouth makes Alien Covenant worse. <laughs> Alien Covenant. A lot of the people in, in Alien in Prometheus and Alien Covenant are just so dumb. Yeah. They make the stupidest decisions. Yeah. And at least in this movie, there weren't really a lot of stupid decisions. Yeah. There are dumb decisions, but it's like a lot more dumb one-liners than actual like dumb decisions. Yeah. Aside from the bow and not picking up the gun. And not using the climbing axe to kill. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so. So I guess a 4.5. I mean, if you really wanted to see it, if you're really into Tomb Raider... Then I guess you can. I guess you can watch it. 
if you've never watched Tomb Raider though, like ever, it's probably not interesting enough. Yeah, I would say if you wanted an action adventure movie, don't go to this one. Watch the clips on YouTube. Don't actually watch the movie. Watch it when it gets put onto YouTube. But watch like the Mummy or something. Something yeah. stupid. The like Mummy that. is any mu- the- any Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser in it. I'd specify that because now there is a Mummy movie without Brendan Fraser in it. But any Brendan no, Fraser Mummy movie no, is better. No. The third Bre- Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser was bad. It, it no, was we bad. don't include that. <laughs> we include the Mummy and the Mummy Returns because those were actually enjoyable. No, that's true. That's true. The thir- I watched the third one in theaters. I would know it's I really seen bad. It in a long time. I'm not sure if it's worse than this. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't remember if it's worse than this. I I'm not sure. So that one's up in the air. But watch the Mummy and the Mummy Returns. And then the Angelina Jolie movies, and just kind of imagine. I wouldn't even watch the Angelina Jolie movies. If you try to combine them, no. If you try to combine them, then see like, okay, that's me. What the movie be like? And you'd have a better time with it, honestly. Um, that's just better than watching this movie, though. If you really are into Tomb Raider, then you could watch it. Because I've I've talked to a lot of people who are going to watch it. Just like they know it's going to be bad. They've already seen things for it, but they know it's going to be bad. But they're going to watch it anyway because they wanted to see it. Like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. So if you yeah. wanted to see it, just go see it. I mean, you're going to be disappointed. I, mean, I would say, but it's it's worth knowing that it's there. No, no, no. I would say don't see it in theaters. You'll be disappointed unless your theater gives you like a dollar ticket or something like that. Just wait until you can rent it. Like a or double something. feature, like two for one. If you can get that, then it'd be worth yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. But don't don't go to the theater and pay money to go watch it. You'll come out disappointed. Unless you like really your expectations cannot go any lower. Which is possible. Maybe then you'll be like, okay. But like I don't think it's a movie worth going to theaters to see if you're such a big fan of Tomb Raider, you know, and you're still gonna see it anyways to see how it is. Like I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it. Um, and if you're really looking for an action adventure movie at, um... The Mummy. At the theater. At the theater. <laughs> at the theater? Oh, um, what's, what's out of the they're theater? They're still showing Black Panther, so if you want to see everybody, that for a second everybody, or third time, go watch Black Panther Everybody again. and their fucking grandparents have seen that movie. Watch it again. It's fun. It's a good movie. I mean, yes, it, it is a good movie. We're not a movie podcast. You're a movie podcast with Dell. I mean, if when I can get Dell to do something... <laughs> Just tell him to do something. He'll do it. Yeah. Well, anyways, so that's how we feel about Tomb Raider and our review of Tomb Raider in terms of video game adaptations. It's unfortunate that it wasn't as good as the game, but video game adaptations, what can you expect? Probably we're going to do a two-parter. So this is episode nine. Episode 10 is going to be Ready Player One. Are you going to finish the book by then? I'll probably finish the book by then. It's going to... It's going to take a while, but I'll probably finish the book by then. All right. And we'll talk about that. Um, and that will be episode 10. And I don't know. Are we going to talk about Rampage? Would we go see Rampage? Like within I'm the gonna, next... I'm going to watch Rampage. I would watch Rampage, too, because it's like... I like Dwayne Johnson stuff. And also just looks like, you know, like The Mummy, where it doesn't take itself seriously, but it's like kind of like an action movie. Yeah. Very mindless. I think it would be fun. Explicitly because they're video game movies, we should probably watch them all. Probably. So, I suppose the next three podcasts will be video game related, unless we somehow... There's fit. no video game news. Like, that's that's really the problem. I mean, EA taking out microtransactions... Doesn't change the game, doesn't, though. 
Oh, Shadow of uh, War. That's right. Shadow of War taking out the boxes. Because, like, if the thing is that if you buy Shadow of War now, you might be sending them the wrong message. Uh, you can make your money. Just take out the loot boxes after. Yeah, that's true. That's a big thing. Um, so, yeah, I would say since th- this month and a half is really surprisingly packed with video game adaptations and... Louis, stop. Your dog going crazy? Yeah. Um... Yeah, we'll we'll probably just talk about them. Um, <laughs> Someone must be coming in for the garage because he only does it when that happens. Just waiting for him to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> just keeps going. Okay. Well, anyways, we should stop the podcast. So, thanks for listening, guys, or watching on YouTube. But you're probably just listening anyways on YouTube because we have no visuals. That's what I do. I just listen. Mm-hmm. We're going to leave before Louis freaks out, so goodbye. Goodbye, everybody.